Daniel Pierce, and you're listening to Grotto Pod. Today on Grotto Pod, we're continuing our reading series, in which we bring you readings from Writer's Grotto members. Today we're featuring a reading from Dallas Woodburn. Dallas Woodburn is the author of the short story collection, Woman Running Late, in a Dress, and the novel, The Best Week That Never Happened. A former John Steinbeck Fellow in Creative Writing, and a current San Francisco Writer's Grotto Fellow, her work has been honored with the Cypress and Pine Short Fiction Award, the International Glass Woman Prize, second place in the American Fiction Prize, and four Pushcart Prize nominations. She is also the host of the popular Book Lovers podcast, Overflowing Bookshelves, and founder of the organization Write On Books that empowers youth through reading and writing endeavors. Dallas lives in the San Francisco Bay Area with her amazing husband and adorable daughter. Now, here's Dallas Woodburn. I couldn't remember when I had ever been so nervous. You're being ridiculous, I told myself. Get a grip, Tegan. I prided myself on having nerves of steel public speaking, drama auditions, sports tryouts, and championship games. I strode through it all with a calm smile on my face. So why did the idea of a midnight excursion with Kai make me so jittery? It's just Kai, I reminded myself, your random childhood friend from a lifetime ago. Kai was born and raised here on the big island, and I had come here with my parents on vacation when I was eight. I first met Kai on the beach when he accidentally knocked over my sandcastle. For the rest of that vacation, he and I were inseparable. I had been devastated to return home. Back then, neither of us owned smartphones. We had not kept in touch. I had always wondered what happened to that little kid I once knew. For some unpindownable reason, seeing Kai again on this trip seemed like a gift from the universe. A remnant of my past washed up onto the shore of the present. Life had been so complicated and difficult. My parents tried to act as if this trip to Hawaii was a normal vacation, but even I could tell it was a last-ditched effort to save their marriage and keep our family intact. Kai was a reminder of a time I was nostalgic for, a time when everything was right in my world, a time I yearned to go back to. I slid out of bed and crept through the dark hotel room, carefully stepping past my snoring parents and the landmines of half-empty suitcases and snaking cords belonging to laptops and phone chargers, until I finally reached the oasis of the bathroom. I changed into a sundress, leggings, and my favorite cozy sweater. I didn't dare turn on the light to put on any makeup. I grabbed the mini flashlight from my backpack and slipped out of the hotel room and down the outdoor hallway until I reached the beach. That time of night, the beach was deserted. I kicked off my sandals, relishing the cool sand on my bare feet. During the day, the sun baked the sand, making it too hot to step on for more than a few seconds. As kids, Kai and I would race each other from the ocean across the huge swath of scorching white sand to the popsicle cart behind the snorkel gear rentals. The trick was to run fast, your toes barely brushing the ground. Still, we would gasp, hot, 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 as we ran. By the time we reached the relief of grassy lawn, we usually forgot to care about who had won the race. 
It felt like both of us had won, turning our tongues into rainbows, dangling our feet in the pool. I would always order cherry. Kai would mix it up, sometimes pineapple, sometimes lime, sometimes blue raspberry, depending on his mood. My friendship with Kai was like the sand beneath my feet. As kids, our friendship was midday sun sand, its heat immediate and strong. In the years since then, the sand had cooled. What was our relationship now? Were we still friends? Was he the same person I remembered? A breeze teased strands of hair out of my ponytail and brushed them into my face. The moon was a glowing china plate in the sky, so white and smooth it looked artificial. I had expected my stomach to be a riot of butterflies, but now that I was actually out of the hotel room, making my way toward the lava tubes, toward Kai, I felt a strange absence of nerves. It seemed like I was separate from myself, watching my actions from a distance. I headed up the path skirting the edge of the golf course. At night, the golf course was abandoned, the flags flapping in the breeze. A pair of seagulls strutted across the lawn, as if they owned it. Across the parking lot, the path turned to gravel. I turned on my flashlight, aiming its beam at the uneven ground, and willed myself not to trip. My nerves had returned. Every step took me closer to Kai. What was he expecting, exactly? What was going to happen? What did I want to happen? At school, everything was different. I was different. There I was, captain of the soccer team, leader of the student council, straight-A student, never shy about raising a hand in class, the girl everyone wanted as their lab partner. I had friends, but sometimes I felt separate from the other kids. No one had ever asked me out, unless you counted Mark inviting me to lunch that one time so I'd help him with his science fair project. And I'd had little crushes here and there, but all of them faded within a few months like seeds that hadn't been given enough water to grow. My focus was firmly on the future, achieving, striving, succeeding. I was determined to be, to be the first one in my family to attend a four-year university. That goal underlaid everything I did, pushing me toward perfection. I couldn't take risks outside of the careful parameters I had set for myself. I'm sure some of my classmates thought I was boring, but I didn't care. It would all be worth it, that day I got my acceptance letter in the mail. Which is part of what made this whole sneaking out late at night to meet some guy I barely knew things so surreal. I didn't do stuff like this. Maybe I was fooling myself, expecting Kai to be the same guy I knew as a kid. Maybe he was a total jerk, or a creep, or maybe he just wanted to hook up. What if he expected to? I mean, I was meeting him at midnight in a deserted cave in Hawaii. Nobody knew where I was. Maybe this was the stupidest thing I had ever done. I stopped, breathing in the cool, damp air, trying to decide what to do. I almost turned around and headed back up the path, back to the hotel room. But then I remembered Kai's smile, the kindness in his eyes, and the way it had been so normal talking with him earlier— even though we hadn't seen each other in years. Deep in my gut, I trusted him. So I kept walking. The path began to slope downward, and I knew I was getting close to the lava tubes. 
Soon I turned around to bend, and my heart thudded urgently in my chest. There it was. Like a place out of my dreams, it looked exactly the same as I remembered. The entrance to the lava tubes, tunnels created from hardened lava hundreds of years ago, was dark with shadows. My footsteps on the gravel sounded especially loud in this hushed night. A flashlight beam bobbed into view at the cave opening. I clicked my flashlight off and on and off again, a greeting. Tegan, Kai said, is that you? He didn't shout, but his voice carried in the quiet around us. It's me, I said, clicking my flashlight back on and crunching down the gravel toward him. A flash of memory, our eight-year-old selves, planning to hide out here and live like the boxcar children so I would never have to return home. Because that summer, leaving had meant the end of the world. Of course, no vacation lasts forever. The world Kai and I had created had predictably ended. My mom had soothed me on the plane ride home, stroking my hair as I cried in her lap. You made it, Kai said when I got close enough to see his face. He was wearing a button-down shirt and board shorts. There was a knot in my stomach, but then he smiled, and the knot relaxed. I was surprised how much I remembered from when we came here as kids, I said. Plus, your directions were good, very thorough. He laughed, and I laughed. It was good to laugh, even though what I'd said wasn't particularly funny. The laughter helped ease the weird tension buzzing between us. Come on in. Kai said, gesturing for me to go ahead. I cautiously stepped forward, ducking my head under the low opening. I had forgotten how dark it was inside the lava tubes. The hardened rock was black and smooth, with a richness that was different from the ordinary gray rocks back home. This rock was... magical. It had seemed that way when I was a kid, and it still seemed that way now. This rock had poured forth from the deepest recesses of the earth. Touching it was like touching the distant past and the distant future at the same time. Soon the cave roof sloped up enough to stand. I gazed above us at the hole I remembered in the cave ceiling. Through it I could glimpse a star-filled sky and the bright moon. Gorgeous night, huh? Kai said from behind me. Yeah, I murmured, turning to face him. A camping lantern and two beach towels were spread out on the ground. What's this fancy setup? I asked, teasing, trying to sound more casual than I felt. Oh, just a little something I had my butler drag out here, Kai said, matching my tone. He bent down and switched on the lantern. A bright glow warmed the cave. Instantly, the surroundings seemed homier. I settled down onto the green and blue striped beach towel. So, I said, tell me everything. And that's our show for today. Grottopod is produced by Brad Belupchian, Rita Chang-Epic, George Higgins, Daniel Pierce, and Beth Weingartner. The music is by Sugartown. Please review and subscribe to Grottopod wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Daniel Pierce, and thanks for listening.